This week's message from Pastor Scott is titled, Faith to be Healed. Well, as I mentioned, Jesus began his earthly ministry healing the sick. Jesus taught the people, he preached to the people, and he healed the sick. And that was a fundamental part of his ministry, was to heal sick people. But it's interesting, the healing ministry always operated through the working of faith. And it is still true today that without faith it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So even today when we ask the Lord for healing and we believe God for healing, we must operate in faith. And I'd like to turn over to Mark chapter 6, please. Hold your place in Acts 14, Mark chapter 6. And this is an interesting story. Jesus has come to his hometown. He began his ministry in Galilee, which is the upper region of Palestine, of Israel. Of course, we know he grew up in Nazareth. So he has now begun his ministry up in this region, and he comes to his hometown. Let's, let's read in Mark 6.1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, or his own town, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And with what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Notice again, by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? It's interesting that the Catholic tradition is that Mary, Mother Mary, was a perpetual virgin. But here we see that there's other children. So the word of God seems to indicate that after Mary was a virgin until she gave birth to, or after she was a virgin in the birth of Jesus, but then after that, she had other children. They were, they were stepchildren to Jesus. Then, the, then it says, and verse 4, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And look at verse 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. So here we see that in his own country, in his own town of Nazareth, he couldn't do mighty miracles. Jesus was limited. You say, can God be limited? We can limit God with our lack of faith and a, and, and a spirit of unbelief. We can limit God's working in our life. And I don't know about you, but I want his full blessing in my life. So we must operate in faith. Now, in contrast, just jump over to the fifth chapter of Mark. And we're not going to read the whole story, but it begins in verse 25, Mark 5.25. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. So here we see a woman who has some kind of medical condition where a perpetual bleeding is going on. She had sought out physicians and doctors for help, and no one was able to help her or cure her, and she actually was getting worse. And then she saw Jesus, and she said, in her mind, or maybe she said it out loud, she said, verse 28, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. If I could just touch his garment, his robe, I would be made whole. And then in verse 31, but his disciples said, you say, who touched me? And, you know, I've always said that this story is amazing to me because Jesus is surrounded by hundreds of people, probably. And everybody's touching Jesus. Everybody's trying to get close to him. But Jesus said, who touched me? There, this was a touch of faith. This was different than just being touched. He realized that someone exercised faith in his healing power and in his name. And he said, I feel virtue. I feel power flowing out of my body. And the woman, trembling, said, I did. And look what Jesus said here in verse 34. And he said, daughter, your faith, not my faith, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So here we see it was the woman's faith that healed her. 
Faith in Jesus and faith in his word. In our lives, if we want to see change, we want to see the miraculous, we want to see healing, we want to see blessing, we must exercise faith. Mark eleven twenty three. Whoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and not doubt in his heart. But believe those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. For whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So in other words, we believe, and then we receive. I did a message way back. Kylie, you always like that. Speak, believe, and receive. And the speaking is important. Jesus said, speak to that mountain. So whatever affliction is in your life, Whatever obstacle is in your life, whatever is impeding your progress in God, speak to the mountain and command it to go. In Jesus' name, amen. And certainly this includes sickness. Now let's go back to Acts chapter 14. So faith is the key, and faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You say, well, pastor, I want faith. How do I get it? Hear the word of God. Keep hearing and hearing and hearing the word, because the word causes faith to go, to grow and expand and to excel. And so we need the word of God on a daily basis. We're back in Acts chapter 14, and we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Now, this is Paul's first missionary journey. It began in chapter 13, and now we're in chapter 14, and it will conclude in this chapter. And it's Paul and Barnabas, and and they are the ones that have been traveling as missionaries. So what I want to do, Corey, if we could turn off the lights, I'm going to flip a map up here. I never really have done this before, but I think it might be helpful. So in Antioch, do you remember in chapter 11... They were first called Christians in Antioch, okay? So Antioch is like their home base, base camp, if you will, like if you're climbing Mount Everest. And so this is where the church existed up here, the Gentile church. Of course, down here in Jerusalem, we have the, more of the Jewish believers that were dwelling here. And Peter, Peter, James, and John were pretty much the leaders there in Jerusalem, although James had been executed. We already talked about that. So they prayed, they anointed Paul and Barnabas, and they sent him out on this missionary journey. The word of the Lord came, Paul and Barnabas are to go. And so they took a boat, which is kind of romantic, right? And they sailed to the island of Cyprus. Someone told me Cyprus is a beautiful island. One of you girls had said something about that. But anyway, beautiful. It's right in the middle of the Mediterranean. It's the third largest island in the Mediterranean. So first they came to Salamis, preached the gospel, then to Paphos, And then they moved on from there, and they sailed to Perga, and then on to Lystra, over to Iconium, then Derbe. Then they backtracked back across through Antioch, Pisidian, down through Lystra, back to Perga, all the way across to Antioch. That was his first missionary journey. took months to accomplish. So in chapter 14, we have now come to the city of Iconium. So let's look at 14.1. Now, it happened in Iconium if they went together to the synagogue of the Jews. And so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks, believed. But look at verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Isn't that interesting? The gospel was being preached. People were receiving the word of God. And yet there was an evil intent to stop the preaching of the word, to inhibit the preaching of the word. And the devil used these non-believing Jews to poison the people's hearts and really embitter them is a, is a better word, to make them embittered against Paul and Barnabas. And I, I can understand this because I remember in Long Beach with our church, this happened to us. We had a faction of people that rose up and began to poison people's minds against our church, against Mary and I as the leaders, and it became a real battle for us. And finally the Lord said, cast out the bondwoman. And 
a good portion of these people, probably, I say five-eighths of the people left. But the Lord left our church intact. He cleansed the temple. And this religious faction that was really antagonistic and it wasn't really truly seeking the Lord, it was more adversarial against us, was removed. God cleansed the temple just like Jesus took the whip and he cleansed the temple and drove out the money changers. And it's interesting, when that spirit of religion goes, there is a strong anointing of the Holy Spirit that remains, the freedom of the Holy Spirit. And I really felt today there was a, there's a strong anointing in this place. The presence of the Lord is very strong here. And there's a sense of freedom. And that's what we want, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberality and freedom. You need to go to a church where you're free. Amen? There are too many churches that preach bondage on people and preach guilt and condemnation, you know, try to make them feel guilty or feel bad about their lives and their sins and so forth. But there is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according or after the Spirit. Amen? And the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. As believers, we've been set free from the law of sin and death. Does that mean, Pastor, we're to continue in sin? No, God forbid. It means that we've been set free from sin to live a life of righteousness, his righteousness working in us. Amen? Praise God. Well, then the Bible says, Paul and Barnabas were so afraid they took off. No. <laughs> they continued to preach the gospel. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, even though this was going on. Verse 3, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace. I love that, the word of his grace, the word of his favor. That word of his grace really means the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee that Jesus preached, where the captives have been set free. The blind eyes are open, and it is a year of freedom. Jesus preached that year of Jubilee, the year of his word, the word of his grace. And then the Bible says, granting signs and wonders be done by their hands. So again, we see the apostles preaching the word of God and then the demonstration of signs and wonders. People say, well, that's just the that's just New Testament. That doesn't happen anymore. Not so. God still wants to do signs and wonders in our midst because he wants to confirm his word through the miraculous. And so we need to believe God. Just like they were believing God and God was moving miraculously, he wants to do it today. I firmly believe that. I think we're going to see an outpouring of the miraculous coming upon the church very shortly. We're going to see signs and wonders that have probably never been seen before. I believe this. It's coming. And greater works. Amen. Jesus said, greater works shall you do. And these apostles were doing greater works, you know, than even Jesus and seeing greater signs and wonders, as Jesus had predicted. Well, then the Bible says in verse 4, but the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And then with a violent attempt, verse 5, was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone him. So now we see that there is a violent attempt to kill Paul and Barnabas. You know, the devil hates the preaching of the word of God and he hates signs and wonders and demonstration of the spirit. And so he will rise up factions of people, sometimes it's even believers, that will attack those that are operating the things of the Spirit. And this became a violent attack. Their lives were in, in danger. Their lives were in danger. And they intended to stone Paul. You know, in those days, picked up stones and just started throwing at you. I just read somewhere, though, though they, they stoned a woman over somewhere in the Middle East because I think she was engaged or married to someone of non-Muslim faith, and, they had, and there was a child that was born. They... I believe it was her father that led this instigation against her, and they stoned her. So that's a serious thing, you know. It's a way to execute somebody. Well, let's see what Paul and Barnabas do. They, verse 6, they became aware of it. I mean, they weren't stupid, like, okay, let's just stand here and be stoned, you know, and uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, we're not to tempt the Lord in our life, right? 
We were to use wisdom, practical sense, right? So they thought, you know, we better leave. They're talking about stoning us, right? And so they leave Iconium and they come to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lycania and the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel. So they continued to preach and continued to proclaim the name of the Lord. Now we come to our, our, our text here in verse 8. And in Lystra, a certain man was without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. So here is a person who's been crippled his whole life. And he's there, just has to be, happened to be in the right place at the right time. And the Bible says in verse 9, this man heard Paul speaking. He obviously had to be carried to the place where Paul was preaching. And Paul, this is interesting, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. That tells me that you can see faith on people. You can recognize faith in people. You can also recognize unbelief or doubt in people. And Paul saw in this man that he believed. He believed what Paul was preaching. He believed that he could be healed in the name of Jesus. And Paul looked at him intently, recognizing that spirit of faith inside him. And that's why we began our message by saying faith is the key in our lives. Faith pleases God, and we need to exercise our faith daily. So every circumstance of life, you can use your faith to acquire God's blessing and God's words of promise in the scripture. So we continually walk and live by faith. We don't walk by sight because some of our situations look rather bleak. We've all been there where things look bad and things are against us or things aren't working right. And it's during those times we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. We claim the promises of God for all the promises of God are yes and amen. Praise God. So we stand on the word of God and we believe the word no matter what. No matter what the world is saying, circumstances are saying, or the devil's whispering in our ear that we're going to fail, that we're not going to make it, that this won't happen. We speak the word of faith. Amen? Paul said, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, the word of faith which we preach. And it is the word of faith. That means faith is attached to words, and words are attached to faith. Speak the word over your life. Speak faith over your life. Then it says in verse 10, we read this before, and he said with a loud voice, it's interesting, some people think you should be quiet in church. Well, Paul wasn't so quiet here. With a loud voice, he said, stand up straight on your feet, and he leaped and walked. Wow, what a miracle. Stand up straight, and he leaped and walked. Instantly, the power of God hit this man who had been crippled from birth, and now he was able to walk. Not only walk, but he leaped. He was jumping for joy, if you will. What a wonderful, amazing miracle. And when the people saw, verse 11, what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Interesting. So now they're, they're being worshipped as gods. And we'll see later where Paul says, hey, we're just mere men. Don't worship us. Worship God. God is using us as a vessel, as an instrument of the Holy Spirit, but we are not to be worshipped. We are not to be adored. We want to stay humble before God. Remember Herod, the king, he, he, he received worship. They called him a god, and the Holy Spirit struck him dead. So the Bible says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due season, he will exalt you. See, God does want to exalt us. He wants to promote us, but we've got to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And the, the wonderful thing about the, the Paul and Barnabas, they were being used of the Holy Spirit in, in the demonstration of power through signs and wonders 
And it was a working of God's grace. It was, it was not, nothing of their doing. It was a spiritual gift that had been granted to them. You know, some people have natural talents. And natural talents can take you a great distance. And we see people in the sport world and in the music entertainment world, acting, business world, people that have natural talent. They, they're God-given talents, and it promotes them, right? And they become very successful. But a spiritual gift is not a natural talent. So what Paul and Barnabas were doing was not something naturally that they were born with. It was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, a manifestation of grace that was gifted upon them to be used of the Holy Spirit to bless people. And so all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit for all of us, and we're to receive those gifts by faith and allow the Holy Spirit to work through us through that manifestation of his working and gifting. Praise God. Well, let's go back to our text again. So verse 14, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and they ran in among the multitudes crying out, saying, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from useless things, idols, to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are in them. It's interesting. Turn from useless things. So many times in our life we put priority on things that God would say are useless, right? And that's not that we can't enjoy life. But when people put the priority on their life on things rather than the Lord himself and they seek these things, they're, they're missing the joy of life because those become useless things. Wood, hay, and stubble, they, they, everything ends up rusting and falling apart. Have you ever noticed that? You get that brand new car and then not too long later, boom, door ding. And you're like, ah. Oh. So things fall apart. Things get rusty. But Jesus said, lay up treasures in heaven where there is no rust and there is no moth. And so we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then the rest, the Bible says, will be added unto you. God wants to pour out blessing in your life. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All right, let's move over now. And we're still in 14. Verse 19, then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul. This is where we're going to conclude today. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So here's the first time, really, that Paul has he's been persecuted verbally, but now he's been physically assaulted. And they stoned him this time. He didn't get away from it. The other time he was able to get away. This time they stoned him, and they dragged him out of the city, and they presumed that he was dead. Not a, a lot of Bible commentators have suggested that possibly he did die. Because Paul later talks about an experience. He goes, whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But I was caught up into the third heaven. And I saw and heard things that I'm not allowed to share or to speak of. So it, some people believe it happened right here. He actually died here. Went to heaven. When I say the third heaven, the first heaven is the atmosphere around us, that we, where we, the air we breathe where birds fly and planes fly. Then the second heaven would be the, with the space itself and the, the universe with the planets and all of the things that exist in space. And then beyond that somewhere is a third heaven. And that's where God dwells. And he sits upon the throne. And Jesus is at the right hand. Praise God. Now where is that? I don't know. But I think it's up. <laughs> but it doesn't exist in this time-space dimension. It exists in a different realm. There is where the Lord dwells, and he rules and reigns. But God is still sovereign over the universe and over the earth. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Satan's the God of this world, but the earth belongs to the Lord. Amen? We don't know if Paul died here or not, but if this was the case where he went to heaven, God showed him marvelous things. 
that he wasn't even permitted to talk about, to speak about. I've heard of people that have died and gone to heaven and then come back. You hear stories about that. You say, well, is that true? I don't know. I'm not going to doubt it. Uh, if somebody really says this is what happened to him, then I'm going to believe him. You know? There could be somebody could make up some story. But for Paul, we know it was a reality, and he, and he wrote about it in Corinthians. But then the Lord restored him. <laughs> and it says, verse 20, However, when the disciples gathered around, he rose up and went into the city. <laughs> That's a funny thing to me. Because they've stoned him, dragged him out. He looks like he's dead. And all of a sudden, just, I'm up. And then he goes back into the city. Talk about boldness, right? Unashamed to preach the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is salvation to the Jew first and then the Gentile. We are not to be ashamed of being Christians. Not to be ashamed to tell other people about Jesus. Not to be ashamed to say, I go to church. I carry a Bible. I read the Bible. I study the Bible. I worship God. I'm a born-again Christian. We don't have to be ashamed of those things. The world can snicker, laugh, whatever, but they're missing out, right? And we should boldly proclaim our faith and not be ashamed to tell others about Jesus. You say, well, I don't live the perfect life. And if I were to share about Jesus with somebody, they could point things out in my life. Well, you know what? We're all like that. And whenever you point one finger this way, there's three coming right back at you. And Jesus said, he that's without sin cast the first stone. So no, none of us have it all perfect. But we still have the right and privilege to proclaim Christ and tell people about Jesus. The wonderful name of Jesus. Amen? Who is, by the way, without flaw, without sin? That you can count on. You can take that one to the bank. So Paul goes back into the city. And then it says, and the next day, I guess the people left him alone, apparently. Well, they probably just freaked out. We thought we killed the guy. He's back up walking around. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. Now look at verse 21, and we're going to close here. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, see, the Bible says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why we want to have a baptism, because all believers should be baptized. You know that, don't you? Every time we read this, when they believed, they were baptized. You say, well, I was baptized as a baby. Well, that doesn't really count. Because as a baby, you don't understand. You can't come to a, an intellectual faith or belief because you're just a baby. You know, you're innocent and wonderful. But there's a time in your life where you come to that age of accountability and you have to make a decision for Christ or against him. And once you make a decision for Christ, we're to be baptized. And it's a wonderful experience. I was baptized in Long Beach right after I got saved on a balmy night in Palm Springs, California at age 14. Six months later, I was baptized in Long Beach out in the water, out in the ocean. It was a wonderful experience. I may not have understood it all. I understand it a lot better today. But I did it because I was obedient to the Lord. Amen? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and make disciples. Make disciples. See, you get a person saved, that's one thing. Now make them a disciple. You, know? you might have a, a person that has a lot of athletic ability, but if they don't develop those skills and discipline their life, it'll be used in vain takes the requirement of those skills to, to, to find them and, and to develop them. Same with, with everything in life. And same with the spiritual life, which is the most important that we become disciples. And you know what that means? It means you're committed to coming to church on time. You're, you're committed on a daily basis to read the Word of God, to study the Word of God. You're committed to follow God by the Holy Spirit, right? And listen to His voice and follow His will for your life. Sometimes we don't like where God's leading us, but God knows better than we do. Proverbs 4.11, I've taught you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in upright paths, right? And the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Let the Lord direct your steps. 
blessing will follow. Praise God. David said, all the days of my life, blessing will follow me, right? The Lord is my shepherd. So the blessing of the Lord will follow us as we follow him. Now, look what Paul says here, because a lot of preachers have preached falsely about this. Verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. See, a lot of people think becoming a Christian, it's all just pie in the sky. It's all bliss. But that's not so. If we're going to follow Christ, we're going to be we're going to suffer for his name. We're going to enter into tribulations in our life. Jesus said, in the world you'll have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. We're overcomers. The Bible says we are more than conquerors. We are super conquerors, right? But we're also, in this paradox, sheep led to the slaughter. You see? Because we're in this world, and Satan hates the believers in this world. And so there's a spiritual attack upon us. So we're both. We're conquerors, but we're also we, we suffer at times. Paul said in Philippians 3.10, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and what? The fellowship of his sufferings. And when Paul had the encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus and he, and he saw the bright light and then he saw Christ and was blinded, Jesus said to Paul, I'm going to show you how many things you must suffer for my name's sake, right? So part of our reward in heaven will be the suffering that we went through in this life. You say, well, I don't have people really persecute me that much for being a Christian. But there's a lot of different forms of suffering that can happen, injustices that happen to Christians. You were treated wrong at work or in your neighborhood, or people did unkind things to you. And they maybe didn't know their heart wasn't right, but they may not know that they were being motivated by Satan to attack the people of God. And the more you grow in God, the stronger you get in God, the more you will have an attack in your life. That's a good thing, though. I think it was John Wesley who said, every day he prayed, Lord, let me suffer for your name's sake, right? And one day, the, he'd come to the end of the day and nothing had happened to him. Nobody had said a bad word. Nobody had done anything to him. He said, Lord, I don't understand it. I, I've been, I prayed every day I want to suffer for you in some degree so that I might proclaim your glory. And just about that time, a guy stood up behind a bush and threw a rock and hit him in the head. He said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? It's a blessing to suffer for the Lord. No, we don't like suffering. Suffering's not fun. But it's just for a moment, Right? And then joy comes in the morning and God delivers us from our sufferings. And Paul was delivered once again through the grace of the Lord. And this last verse right here, verse 23. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So they appointed leaders in these churches that they established that we looked up on the map. All of those cities in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, they established a church they found a leader or leaders and appointed them to be the pastors of that church, and then they moved on. And they returned back the way they came, as we saw on our map, and returned back to Antioch. And that concludes Paul's first missionary journey of signs and wonders and power in the name of Jesus. <laughs>